the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic, a subscription based sports news site delivering in depth sports coverage even when sports aren't on TV. Get detailed coverage of every trade, every free agent NFL signing, and all the storylines, all the grading, all the best availables from all the experts. Guys like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, and Pierre Lebrun are still cranking away content. Tons of podcasts, tons of articles, great Twitter follows, all that good stuff. Plus deep insights about all the analytics. Uh, There's a lot of going backwards right now, too, on Twitter. A lot of great stuff uh, across all the networks. But The Athletic is your place to go for your one-stop sports coverage. Join today and get 40% off your yearly subscription by going to theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. Good afternoon. My name is Mike Gennetti. Today we're going to bring in certified NFL agent Shane Costa, good friend of the show. We've had him on a few times. And uh, it was about time to talk a little NFL CBA, talk about how this COVID-19 situation is affecting his job as an agent uh, with pro days and workouts that can't exist, but FaceTiming is happening, how he's prepping for a remote draft, how the undrafted free agent situation could go. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in the next three weeks of the NFL, and it's all going to be different. It's not business as usual, even if it's going to look like that when we're sitting there watching the draft on TV. Uh, just There's a lot of behind the scenes that Shane gets into that are really, really interesting. And then we go back, look at the CBA that was just ratified, kind of go through a bunch of the bullet points, things that have changed, positive, negative, his thoughts on a lot of that, and a lot of how his clientele, which is more on the smaller side, uh, it was affected by, you know, financially from some of the stipends that were put in place to workouts, things like that. He's got a lot of positives to say about this CBA. And I think, uh, you know, Twitter likes to kill everything and be negative about everything. Really refreshing to hear Shane's version of how this, some of these changes at least, are really, really going to affect a good majority of this league. So we had a good talk with him. Hope you enjoy that. want to thank a lot of you for reaching out about the new podcast we launched yesterday called Careers Earned. Scott Allen and myself went through our first Careers Earned candidate, Alex Rodriguez, discussed his financial career, obviously a lot of the stats and and, and the situations, scenarios that went into his career along with those contracts, how he got from A to Z from zero to $455 million. Uh, We're going to keep doing this. We had a lot of fun with that. We're going to keep doing this probably once a week. I'm not going to give away our next candidate, but it's going to be an NFL football player. And that's all I'm going to tell you for now. So look for that next week. We're going to try to do a couple of shows a week still, probably three. I mean, I'll get some guests on here to talk about various things, especially as we continue to lead up here to the NFL draft. So hope you enjoy Shane Costa, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Happy to be joined again by NFL certified agent and longtime friend of the show, Shane Costa, a local guy here with me in, in Western New York, who's uh, he's been doing the dirty work here. And obviously life is not the same for him, not the same for any of us, but in regards to the NFL, which is sort of trying to operate status quo as much as possible, that is not the case for the agents and the, and the people behind the scenes here. So Shane, thanks for joining the show again. Uh, I know you bounced around a little bit here and, and obviously the, the free agent period was <laughs> a different animal for you than in, in many other years. Just, just walk us through that a little bit. I think it's even more interesting to talk about the little guys because in terms of how the CBA process went, in terms of how free agency went, and now as we head towards the draft and really the undrafted part of this too, this entire spring-summer, you're going to be heavily involved and it's going to be a very different approach, right? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, there's been so many discussions of how unprecedented this is. And I mean, that's, that's obviously the case. And certainly for us, this is, this is, uh, uh, uncharted territory and it's really amazing the, the, the timing that everything happened, you know, if you just are solely focused on, you know, the NFL and the NFL calendar and kind of what it's done to disrupt everything. I mean, you know, this literally, uh, it started in the, in the beginning of the league year. And as you, as you can probably remember, you know, the league year was discussed being pushed back and free agency itself. And, um, with the CBA vote happened, right. Uh, concluded just shortly after, you know, a lot of the, um, restrictions, um, and social distancing happened. And it's really just been a crazy couple of weeks. And a lot of people have been asking, and I said, well, well, how much has changed for you? And, you know, truthfully a lot. I mean, we had trips planned for, uh, to go to pro days, um, throughout, you know, March and a little bit in April and, uh, help facilitate workouts and top 30 visits and all that stuff is grinded to a halt. I mean, this is, you know, to my mind, this is really the first time sports has kind of halted, whether in the middle of like an economic recession or, or something else, um, in a long, long time, usually sports is, um, sports is, I hate to use this word immune, but usually sports are a little bit immune to stuff like this. And that's certainly not the case. Um, so it's just been, you know, it's just been trying to figure out, um, you know, navigate the process of free agency and, and now the draft coming up. Um, but we've had daily discussions with teams about, you know, how to handle the draft and, you know, different teams are planning on different things. And, you know, internally as an agency, we're just trying to figure things out. Um, and, and how to move forward. So it's, it's been really crazy. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a tough time on the sports calendar, but the thing is, you know, sports is just in the, in the grand scheme of life, you know, sports is just, you know, a small part of this and, and hopefully can be a people, a, a break for people and a source of entertainment. And, you know, we know that there's a lot bigger issues out there and, um, you know, we're, we're aware and cognizant of that. So we're just trying to, I guess, do the best we can to, to keep moving forward and, and hopefully things can pick back up for all of us. Yeah. Don't tell, uh, don't tell the NFL that the rest of the sports are halted because they're, they're going full steam ahead, including basically saying we're definitely having a season this year. So, uh, hopefully, you know, calmer minds come together and basically say, we got to get all, all scenarios covered here and cover all of our bases because I just don't think anybody knows where we're going to be in six months. Uh, you know, as training camps and all that sort of stuff comes together. I, my, my guess is internally, I, I mean, I, I know what kind of a level-headed guy you are. You're, you're accounting for everything here, right? You're accounting for a draft that could or could not happen in April. You're accounting for um, training camps and workouts and all that that probably won't exist this summer. Um, my guess is you're touching all the bases, right? For sure. I mean, one of the big things is, like I said, people have asked, well, you know, how's it affect agency stuff? And I mean, the XFL has been canceled. I mean, we had several clients there that's been shut down. Uh, you know, free agency went on, but really only some of the top players have signed. There's a, a ton of unsigned guys that are, that are waiting. We have a couple of those guys and a lot of that's just, you know, some of it is players can't do physicals. So teams are kind of waiting there. Um, there's a draft here in, you know, three weeks from today. So that's plays a part of it. And we don't know if there's going to be rookie mini camps. Uh, it's certainly looking like there won't be. Um, 
because those are typically held either the first or second week after the draft. So we're looking, we'd be looking at that first weekend of May or second weekend of May. So can't imagine it's going to be rookie minicamp. So there's a countless opportunities for tryout guys, uh, rookie minicamp tryout guys that, you know, would otherwise that's kind of their look in the NFL and you have a chance to impress. Um, so those might be gone. We don't know if there'll be OTAs. We don't know if there'll be, uh, we don't know if there'll be an off season program. So it's really crazy. I mean, we, you know, our job at this point is uh, to kind of roll with the punches and come up with plans. I mean, we, we tell our players, we educate them, you know, about the, the various scenarios. Um, obviously the draft is happening. Uh, it sounds like the undrafted free agent process will happen. Uh, I've been an advocate to push that back or hold that on a different day because that is even when all things are functional and the environment's normal, that's a very complicated and difficult process. Uh, so to do it here where teams are working remotely and, and players and agents are remote, it, it just, I, I can foresee that it's going to be extremely complicated, but if that's going to be held as normal, we just got to do the best we can to push forward with it. Um, and, you know, just have as many plans laid out and, and kind of, I guess, take it day by day. Yeah. I think you're hundred percent right. It's the NFL is pushing forward. Um, obviously they're, they're hoping there's a season. I, I hope so too. Cause that means obviously things have returned to normal, but certainly we've, we've internally, even our agency have kind of planned and, you know, had discussions about, what this everything kind of shutting down means. Uh, so, you know, we just kind of take it day by day and go from there. Yeah, that's really good stuff. I, I want to touch on three kind of uh, big sections with you here briefly uh, to, before we wrap things up. I, I want to touch, I want to t- talk draft with you and, and how you're addressing some specifics with that. I want to talk more about that undrafted part of it because I know that's where you live a lot and you're right. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. And then I want to touch back on the CBA that was ratified and just get your thoughts and uh, some of the specifics that break down that a little bit. But let's stick with the draft because you, you mentioned something a couple, of, a couple of minutes ago that I was going to get to. Um, and boy, it's, uh, it, it is a metaphor for how things are being run right now, right? It's kind of the federal versus the states, okay? And how there's separation and, and some competition you mentioned how the teams are having to turn to technology and rem- and be remote, obviously, with this entire off-season process. Is there any kind of league help with how this is all coming together, or are, you know, are the Bills operating differently from the Jets, and, and and is that kind of stemming throughout the entire league right now? Do you understand what I'm saying? Does the league have yeah. te- technology in place? Or are they putting together some sort of package for teams to be able to use so that the, the league can help out and support and things like that? Or is it just every man for himself out there? Well, I, I don't, I'm not really sure about the support aspect of it, but I do know that the NFL has been, um, they, they've been pretty proactive on being in touch with teams and letting them know kind of what the rules are for this process, at least over the next few weeks, for example, you know, Hey, here are the rules on, you know, FaceTiming players and you know, how many times you can contact them and all that, because typically, you know, there's things called like the uh, top 30 visits, you know, where each team can bring in up to 30 players into their facility. There's uh, something called local workouts where there's a radius where teams can work out players within a certain radius of their facility. Um, so there's normally rules in place for the process that all teams have to follow. But now that those 
aren't happening, teams are turning to technology to kind of replicate some of these things. Um, and I'd say the league has, has been pretty proactive on communicating those rules to every team so that there's somewhat of a level playing field in terms of the technology aspect and, and get everything set up and, and every team kind of having war rooms. Again, my understanding is that there's, there's been rules of, of, you know, obviously teams can't use their facilities. You know, they're going to have to find different facilities to use and technology, but I think there's certainly some, some uh, there's going to be some it logistics because different teams are going to want different people involved in the draft process um, and, and getting that set up and getting that ready to run and, that's that's certainly interesting. I mean, we've we've had and we'll have those discussions too, just as an agency about all right, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to um, how are we going to typically you know operate? I mean, a lot of things. Some of the things we can do as an agency are are can be done remotely as as it relates to draft day anyway. So for us, it's operating um, somewhat somewhat uh, normally as compared to the rest of this process for us, but at least on draft day, we're kind of used to that process. But yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think each team's probably having a lot of discussions right now about how to set up, who to have in the room, who can they have, um, you know, are scouts going to be remotely at their homes? I mean, I don't know. Those are, those are questions every team's going to have to face. And I think, you know, teams that are kind of proactive with it that are, you know, following the NFL guidelines, but still getting creative. I think they'll certainly, you know, maybe have a little bit of an edge. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be teams that we're probably already doing things like this uh, to stay active and, and to allow some, some people, I mean, I would imagine scouts always on the road. There's been a, a level of remoteness forever and the technology has just improved with that. So hopefully teams have a, a good understanding of how this is all going to work. I don't want to get too specific with how the draft is going to work because I think we'll get those details soon. Um, but let's go back to the scouting part of it because uh, it kind of hits both the drafted and the undrafted players that you deal with. You're talking about FaceTimes, and I know there's some, uh, there's some legislation that was brought down by the league to say, you know, you get X number of, uh, of, of FaceTime interviews with certain players, blah, blah, blah. You, you can, we can find those specifics. Do teams know enough, Shane, to draft a player right now? <clears throat> I think for... If you have, this is just my opinion on this, but I think for teams, for players that were at the combine and at all-star games and otherwise have kind of um, taken part of every part of the process that they normally do, I think I think teams do have enough information. So, I mean, they're looking at, obviously the films, the film has been what the film is. All the all-star games went off as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, the combine did as well. Um, so if you've got a player that, you know, took part in all that and was able to get his medicals like that, have some interviews, um, have an opportunity to work out in front of scouts. I think it really doesn't affect them as much, but there's been a lot that's been put out there about how much this affects, you know, players that didn't go to the combine. And I I just can't overstate how much that it, that it really does. I mean, these are guys that, you know, haven't had a chance to do top 30 visits and get their medicals looked at by teams or um, have, uh, be able to test in front of play, uh, in front of scouts and in front of, uh, of teams. And, you know, there, there's so many players every year that, you know, maybe they have a good film grade, maybe they're a smaller school player, um, but they're able to do some really athletic things, you know, have a great 40 yard dash and have great measurables. And that's so much of this process. Um, and if they can't do that, it's really hard to um, it's really hard to get on some teams' radars, or at least get them up the draft board to the part where you might get drafted. 
Um, a lot of that's gone. And so with no pro days too, it's really been incumbent on agents and agencies to come up with alternatives. You know, I'll tell you right now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, when all this started to go down, we scrambled and we hired uh, a former NFL scout to um, time our players to run through a mock pro day, get it filmed, and sending out the film to all 32 teams. Um, so that's what a lot of agencies are doing, or at least I think some, um, so that teams have some type of semblance of a workout to look at um, so that they can kind of time it themselves. But I mean, that's really the best you can do at this part, uh, at this point, right? And one of the things that we're trying to figure out now is the medical part of it. Um, you know, what medical records can we send to teams to get them comfortable um, to take a look at, at the, you know, see if there's any injury history? You know, how are we going to go about doing that? Obviously, you know, there's there's some uh, there's medical records that lie with a lot of college teams. It's just easy to electronically get them transmitted. It's, it's just, there's a lot of unknowns. And again, we do a lot of this and keeping in mind that there's other bigger concerns right now. Um, so it's just trying to balance, trying to get everything figured out, but also knowing that, Hey, you know, this is just a little bit of a different year. You know, we might, we don't have ideal conditions, but we just got to kind of roll with it and, and hope for the best. Okay. So on that point, and I'm not sure this is a question you can answer, but obviously I'm going to throw it to you anyway. Uh, any contracts that you've worked out yet to this date, right? So in the past month or so, and then as we go forward with your, your draft picks or your undrafted players, it, is there going to be COVID-19 clauses specifically for these players? I mean, because let's be frank, we've all seen the graphs of, of how this thing is being forecasted. And there's a lot of smart people that think this thing's going to come right back up in the middle of whatever, you know, a football a college or an NFL football season. Um, you know, and, and generally speaking, signing bonuses are paid out at that point. We're, we're going to have a couple of game checks paid out at that point. What if player X uh, tests positive for COVID-19 in week three of the NFL season? Is there going to be language in these contracts or is there already generic language enough to cover this kind of thing? So it's really interesting. This is like a probably a multi-part question. For a long time, there's there's been... For practice squad players, they actually signed something called the, uh, it's like a standard contagious disease addendum. It's, it's really for a practice squad player, you know, let's say like a team gets hit with illnesses on Saturday, Sunday, it's so that they can be like brought up essentially. And it's, it, 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 um, it sets their pay and everything, but that's not really, that's not really for use for something like this. Uh, I, I would anticipate there being kind of a continued discussion, um, probably at the NFL and the union level about, you know, how to handle this. Um, I know agents are going to be, at least will be vigilant about what, what's in clauses of contracts, particularly as it relates to any type of guaranteed money. And, and this is more so for like passing a physical. So not necessarily about, um, COVID, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's something that I think everybody's going to have to be vigilant about. Um, and it's, it's something that we've thought about but also understanding that, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to see how the next couple of weeks shake out, uh, let yes. alone, you know, trying to forecast, you know, what's going to, what's going to potentially be scenarios down the road. I mean, as I'm sure you can imagine, it's, it's, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to consider. Um, and hopefully there can be uh, some, some agreement and, and at least discussions again at the, the league and union level to, 
to hammer out some of these issues. But I think for the most part, a lot of, a lot of teams are just trying to get through these next couple of weeks and, you know, we can kind of tackle those issues as, as, as we come. But yeah, the, the one interesting thing about the UDFA process is, as you know, if a player is drafted, essentially what it is is a tender to the player and then the contract's negotiated later. But for the UDFA process, you're essentially agreeing to a contract right then and there. And then, you know, but we'll probably have to be a little bit more vigilant about what's in those clauses for those contracts. And, you know, is there any, um, you know, are there any, is there any weird language or uh, addendum language or whatever that's in there that's, that's kind of concerning and those are always kind of tough because you've agreed to the contract essentially are the main terms, but now you're trying to really, you know, you're trying to, to, to read about the, the, the different addenda that they have in there in those languages. It's just, it's a really tough process. And that's, that's why I'm really hoping they, they put off the, the undrafted free agent process just because again, it's a, it's a very different nature. You're agreeing to that contract right then and there. And that's different from when you're drafted and then you sign the contract and agree to it later. So that's one of the reasons I, w- I would like them to put it off, but I don't know that that's going to happen. So we'll just, we'll just go from there. In the instance that the season is canceled and I, I'm, I'm not going, this is the only morbid question I'm going to have about this. Uh, and everything happens and unfolds just like you laid it out. Okay. Everything goes on as normal, which it appears the NFL really wants to do. And I can understand that to some degree. Joe Burrow is drafted number one, signs a $40 million fully guaranteed contract with the, with the Bengals in August, but then the season is canceled. Are, is everything just going to toll? Are we just going to toll? I would, as- <clears throat> I would assume so. I would assume so, but I... Oh, geez. I don't know. We've yeah. got so many bigger problems. So that's where my head goes, though, Shane. This this is where my head goes. I, I mean, I'm, I'm it's twofold. I'm thinking about it from a player's perspective and an agent's perspective, but I'm also thinking about, you know, administering spottrick.com right now. You know what I mean? Because right. it's right, it's true. a big part of it. You know, I, 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 we see it in hockey where players just don't play enough games in a season. It essentially tolls, and it's called a stretch in hockey in the NHL contracts. I'm, this is the stuff, though, Shane, that I, I want the league to be on top of. I don't want the NFL to be reactive with this stuff, and they are such a reactive league. It's such a bad mark for them. I, I, they've got the opportunity of having time right now. They do, and you know it. I, I mean, they're, they, yes, they're trying to you know man, maneuver and, and restructure how this draft process is going to work, and I understand that's, that's taking some time, especially when everybody's remote. But these are the kind of things that they can – I mean, Major League Baseball just rewrote a CBA in a day and a half. You know what I mean? And I give them full marks for it. A lot of the things they hit on don't just take care of the next couple of months. They've got conditions in place for 2021. Um, just understanding where this thing could be in the next five to six months. Uh, I just want the NFL to get there. And I want these kind of questions, which are specific to the front offices. I want them to at least have a, a backup plan, a fallback plan, just in case. I mean, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that could happen if, this, if, if there's no 2020 season and the, the money's a big part of it. So I sure hope there are a lot of smart people on Zoom on a daily basis right now asking these kind of questions. And I hate to put them to you, uh, but I just want to get it out there that these are the kind of thing, things that I think of. And I know I'm not the only one thinking it, too. So, all right, let's let's shift gears. I don't want to push you on the spot there too much. Yeah, no, it's OK. I, I, I was just the, the only comment I have is I'm sure they're working on that. Okay. I, I'm sure that they are. I mean, good for you. Taking probably, care of your league. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, we're all in it together, I guess. Uh, no, but I, I'm sure that they are. Um, I would like you. I would really hope that they are. They need to be doing it. I'm, I would 
My guess is that they are, but they're probably keeping it quiet because, yeah, I think you do want to project a sense of hope that the season happens. I mean, again, if we miss the season, even part of it, I mean, then, you know, we're just in a really tough spot as a, as a country and, you know, as, you know, really the world as a whole, I guess. Um, so I think, you know, you don't want to talk about that because knowing that if it's that far down the line, that things are being affected still, again, it's just a really, be really, um, be really sad you know it'd be really tough it means things obviously haven't improved much um so i just think you know you want to project confidence and hope that that things are better but at the same time i I think there's you know knowing the league i'm sure that they're having discussions about what that's going to look like so fair enough i don't know i I don't know but i I, yeah yeah let's hope yeah (laughs) let's hope yeah let's hope speaking of things that were just signed that might need to toll uh let's get to the new cba (laughs) Uh, I'm not even going to go there. You know where I'm going with that. I mean, you know, one of the big knocks on this 2020 CBA is that there's essentially not a, a revenue boost percentage-wise in 2020 for the, for the players. That doesn't come for a couple of years when there was expected to be a significant increase in revenue based on TV deals and all that sorts of thing, and streaming deals. Um, let's let's just assume that's all going to be in place and, and that's all going to happen as planned and and the way that the CBA is written is going to stay intact. Um, just general thoughts from your end. And you can speak from your clientele's point of view. You can speak from a more general point of view. Uh, just general thoughts on how this thing unfolded. Well, the the timing of the vote was super interesting just with everything that went down. I mean, can you imagine if the vote was a week later? Um, I mean, it just really interesting. I guess that's 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 the first comment. It's just the, 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 the economics of the league and the way it shook out versus what happened with the, the pandemic. And I mean, that, that was, that's still, it's just, it's, it's crazy. The timing of everything. Um, my, my thoughts are this, I mean, the, the, the one thing, I think there's a misconception that, you know, this thing was rushed or whatever. And I just don't think that's true. I, I know they've been talking for a long time and negotiating and going back and forth and, um, you know, how, regardless of how people feel about the CBA, I, I thought D. Smith did a great job. He, he met with the agents uh, at the combine and and broke everything down. And you know, he he was pretty candid, and and I just thought he did a good job of of. Um, and this was all before the the vote, obviously. I just thought he did a good job of laying everything out. Um, and I, I understand players that were for it. I understand players that were against it because it's a little bit different for each player. I mean, this is how. This is how our agency approached it is when everything came out and, and the, the summaries and the proposals and, you know, finally the, the final CBA came out and before it was put to a vote, we called up all of our clients and we had meetings with all of our clients and we just broke down and said, this is, this is what's in it. This is what's not in it. Uh, this is, uh, this is some, some of the strengths and good points. The, these are some of the drawbacks and this is, you know, if you, if you vote yes on it, this is what happens. If you vote no on it, this is what happens. And, you know, truthfully for each client, for a lot of them, it makes sense to vote yes. And for some of them, it made sense to, to maybe vote no. It was a individual conversation with each player. Um, and we just did our best to educate them and say, Hey, this is what's in it. This is what's not. Um, this is what could happen in the future. You know, if you, if you say no, this is what, and it's not, it doesn't happen. This is what could happen. Um, it was just, a, it was long conversations with every client and, you know, we just wanted them to have the information and be able to make the, make the decision that was best for them. That's how we approached it. I mean, we were, we were never going to be the agency that said, Hey, you must vote this way. I mean, that just, 
it just didn't make a lot of sense to us. And for each guy, the, the votes, uh, the votes a little bit different depending on the situation there. And I think the final tally reflected that. I mean, I think there were 60 more yes sure. votes than no votes. So, yeah. um, it was very close. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just how we handled it. Um, <clears throat> there's certainly some good points in it. Um, there's certainly some points that, that aren't so good. Um, but that's, that's part of bargaining. Yeah. So uh, that's let's break part this of coming up. to a CBA and, yeah. you know, I, let's break this up into, into sort of classes. Uh, in my opinion, the the two groupings of players that benefited the most from this are, as you mentioned, the you know you know the bottom, uh, the minimum salary guys, any kind of the rookies, especially the undrafted guys who are going to come in with you know ninety to one hundred thousand dollar increase of salaries this year. Not not to mention the pool that's increased, so their their bonus money can also increase as well. Uh, but then restricted tenders are going to increase more, things like that. To me, that that first class of players uh, in the league certainly benefited, and then I think retired players benefited as well. That's essentially where all this surplus revenue in 2020 is going is to the benefits, um, which you can understand was a big draw. Uh, yeah. Did the middle class get crushed or are things like that new veteran, veteran salary uh, that can be as big as a $1.25 million hit? Uh, did those kind of little things that were thrown into this thing at least do enough for the middle class to get enough votes? Because that's what this is all about. This is a political statement. Let's be let's be fair. Um, I, I think the middle class did okay, but not good or great. Do you agree? Well, I think there's. I think as you alluded to, there's certainly things in here that that's going to help them, or at least some players. Um, a couple of things that that stick out in my mind. Obviously, there's, you know, the expansion of <clears throat> these these um, um, veteran exceptions uh, for certain monies. Um, you know, now where there's two players, uh, where there's some allocated money that are, that are going to help where, um, you know, where it's essentially like a veteran salary benefit. Uh, there's now the four year qualifying player for a player that, um, played all four years, you know, played out. It's probably will be a drafted player that played out his contract that maybe the market's not really strong, but he can just return to his team for the fifth year essentially on a one-year deal and hopefully, you know, kind of reset his value. Uh, I think that's good. I think what's really good too is adding the two practice squad spots that are essentially exempt for any player. And what's really nice. And I guess I'm kind of, this is a little bit of the wait and see, but my hope is that every week during the year, teams take advantage of elevating two practice squad players. I can't imagine why they wouldn't Shane. Well, some teams, Money? I, don't, I don't know, maybe in the beginning of the year, they don't want to, and they don't want to waste because each player will get to do it twice before they got to go through waivers. Yep. But the thing is, I mean, essentially these players are free agents anyway. So I don't know. I hope teams don't overthink it and say, well, we don't want to expose them to waivers, but if a team wants to sign them, they will. So I don't know, but if teams are truly rotating two players to the, you know, from the practice squad to mm-hmm. the active roster and, and cause they're, they automatically get their bump in pay. You know, if they do that, I think that's a really big benefit, especially you're going to have two players per roster. So that's, you know, that's 64 players that are automatically getting promoted and automatically receiving the higher pay. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a pretty big, um, that's a pretty big jump. That's essentially, I mean, it is two more active spots and those are players, again, they're adding the two active spots um, just in general from 10 to 12 this year. And then to 14, I think starting next year. Those are those are extra spots too. Again, that's more jobs across the league, 
And um, now that there's exceptions that it can be a player with any years of service. Exactly. That's I think a big that's point. really important. Now, the other thing, too, is there's a couple things, and I haven't really seen them reported on, but there's a couple things in the deal, too, that I think are, are nice are nice additions for players. So this is the first year, assuming that there's going to be OTAs of some type, uh, where rookies, uh, it used to be called the Rookie Development Program, which is essentially just rookies, right? They really weren't getting paid any per diems, right? They were getting certain housing, certain you know transportation and meals, but now for the first time, they're actually making like essentially some workout pay, right? And I think it's like $135 a day. They used to not get that. I mean, that's, I know it sounds small in the, you know, know. the grand scheme of big payments in the NFL, but a lot of these players, a lot of these drafted players, you know, from say the third and fourth rounds and and on and the undrafted players, they've never made any money, uh, yet, right? Because they, they probably don't have marketing, not a ton of marketing or endorsement deals. So really their first chance to make money in the league playing football is, you know, by starting OTAs and yeah, they might have a signing bonus, but sometimes that takes 15 days to get paid out. And some players, a lot of players, undrafted players don't get much of a signing bonus or anything at all. So now they're actually at least able to make a little bit of money. Um, and you know, they're getting their transportation and their housing meals and stuff paid for. So it's just nice because before they were really pocketing nothing. And I know that seems like a small thing, but I promise you, if you talk to just about any player that wasn't drafted in the first, second, third round, they'll tell you, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, Hey, when you get in the league, you know, those first couple of months in OTAs and training camp, you're really not making anything. And you're, you know, just trying to, to kind of get by and, and focus on, um, it, you know, just focusing on making the team, but it'll be nice, I guess, for them to to have a little bit of money in their pocket. So really just a small thing, but it's, it, it's interesting because I've always thought there should be something and now there finally is. So again, just a small thing that's in there that I haven't seen talked about much, but I yeah. think it's going to be really good for the players. Shane, I think um, there's a lot of that little nickel and diming throughout the CBA. You know, there's a, there's an extra stipend now for players that play more than one international games. Uh, they reduced the increase in fines, which that sounds arbitrary, but if you've ever been on the fines tracker on our site, it, it affects about 120 players a year. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, they reduce the kind of fines that they can give out. There's yeah. there's a lot of little tinkering with a lot of elements to the game that you're right. Every player has their own story, whether they, they're just getting here or they're two years in. Everybody's been affected in some way by something, and, and an a major area here that I want to get to, which it doesn't affect a lot of players, but it's going to affect player, the way players think about it. And I, I'd, I'd love for you to expand on this is the change that came with holdouts. Um, not just an increase yeah. in the fine, right. but a lot of the bullet points that were added in the CBA are pretty detrimental to, to a player's holdout, depending on who they are. If they're a veteran, if they're a rookie, if they're in their fifth year, all those kind of things. Uh, I wonder if you could just sure. kind of expand on that a little bit, Shane. Yeah, that, that was a point. And, and, you know, the, the union, I think was up front with us, uh, when this was going down that, that, a, a big, um, you know, a give, uh, was certainly different holdout language. Although again, it's still only going to apply to, you know, players that are supposed to be in a camp. Right. Um, but every year, you know, I think there's some players that hold out and they've, I think the NFL, that was something that they wanted to, to reduce. And ultimately, I don't, don't think it affects a ton of players. Right. Certainly affects some, but that is a big change, and that'll be interesting. Um, again, this year is obviously way different because who knows when training camp's going to start. But I think in future years, 
it'll kind of be looked back on and, and say, hey, oh, that was one of the It's going to bite somebody in the butt, don't you think? Yeah, it's going to get somebody. It could. It could. I mean, holdouts, some holdouts have worked in the past. Um, and, you know, I think I think players and, and agents are going to have to rethink certain strategies probably. Um, again, we probably won't see it this year as much just because everything's so different. But I do think in future years – That'll be something that's kind of commented on of, 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 well, you know, players used to hold out more frequently and now it's different. Um, it is my understanding that training camp, uh, training camp holdout fines cannot be waived anymore, which I think will have a very big effect uh, before. Sometimes you could kind of come to an understanding that, you know, maybe those wouldn't be collected. Sometimes they still would, depending on the situation. Yeah, it used to be a team option, um, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. And you know, now that's, that's a lot different now. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting again. I don't think there'll be much of an effect this year, but I think in future years, there certainly could be. Yeah. You're you're right. So let me just throw two scenarios at you just to make sure that I understand it. Um, So if I'm an unrestricted free agent, okay. And I decide I'm going to hold out once I'm signed because I'm not happy about something or I'm not going to camp. I'm going to lose game checks immediately, right? In addition to the $50,000 per day fine, correct? Did you, so just to backtrack, you said if you're an unrestricted free agent, meaning you're not under contract or once I become, once I become under contract. Ah, gotcha. So I'm a veteran. um, Yeah. I'm actually not a hundred percent sure on that. My, my, First understanding is you lose a year of service. Okay. Uh, so that's the so other you scenario. Get that here. if you miss even one day. Yeah. Yeah. So so if I'm Joe Burrow and I'm entering year four, I'm extension eligible, and I decide I'm not going to play until I get an extension. The second he doesn't show up for training camp, he loses that accrued season. Correct. That's the new change. I, I think so. Um, my understanding is that I would believe that's one of the that's one of the main uh, the main points. And again, can't waive any of the fines too right. for uh, for you know, for, uh, that you could accumulate for doing it, which Man, this is just, it, it adds up quickly. Trust me. It's a uh, lot. those fines add up. Poison case in, case in point here is that they took away even more player leverage. <laughs> I mean, I mean, any leverage that these guys had by holding out and, and, you know, putting their foot down, it's gone. I mean, if you're a, if you're on a rookie contract and you think you're holding out, it's going to do you absolutely no good because you're just not going to get to unrestricted free agency without showing up. You're just not going to do it. Um, yeah. Although the, the one thing to keep in mind though, is that it only affects some holdouts again, players that, you know, have been te- like aren't under contract that have been, you know, tendered or whatever. It's it, my understanding is that it won't affect them. Right. So it'll affect some holdouts, but not others, you know, like a situation again, where maybe a player was tagged. Um, I was just going to say, it but, doesn't affect the, the franchise tag players who haven't signed yet. That's still, they, right. they, they didn't and touch those that. are like a lot of the, Right. Those are a lot of the, a lot of holdouts. So it'll, I think it'll have an effect. I'm not sure it'll be as much as, as some are anticipating. And again, it, you know, if you look, you look collectively at the NFL as a whole, um, it only affects a small amount of players, mm-hmm. but that's why some players, you know, I, I think in my mind, some can like that aspect because it may affect them at some point and probably didn't like this deal because of some of that. And again, I think it reflected the close vote. Um, but again, that's, that's part of, I think that's part of bargaining. You know, you're, you're going to be able to give up some, and and players well, certainly got a boost in other areas. And you know, I agree. I agree. They did get boosted, um, but to me, that's a leverage point they lost. And I'm, I'm going to finish. Sure. I'm going to finish on this because what they gave up was service for an extra game. 
We're going to see a 17th game probably next season. We're already seeing an additional playoff game, right? Uh, yep. so, so the owners already turned this around immediately on, on them and basically said, we're going to have you work more. In your opinion, did, they, did the players get enough out of this to, to warrant those two increases in games? I, I think some players did. Um, some players, probably not. Well, you know, almost certainly not. And again, I not to keep pointing back to it as, as uh, okay. a crutch for me to, to, to land, but I think you see that reflected in the vote. You know, is this was it, some players don't mind playing the extra game, particularly younger players that are, you know, just trying to save as much money and, and get as many paychecks as possible and um, have as many opportunities to put out film and, and, you know, make a living in this league. And some players, you know, maybe particularly some veterans and, and other guys that, um, you know, can can certainly uh, take quite a bit of a beating. Um, you know, that extra game might not be worth it. And you saw, I mean, it was, Twitter was really interesting. You saw both sides of it, particularly as the vote was going down, um, you know, voices on both sides. Um, again, for each player, the answer is a little bit different between the holdout language, the extra game, you know, a couple other, uh, a couple other pieces in there. Um, but for some players, the, 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 the increases of salaries, the increases of, of trying to help the middle class a little bit, Certainly, the overall, um, the overall increase of of, um, of shared revenue that's coming in future years, um, plus little things too, like um, performance based pay going up and um, uh, proven performance escalators um, for some second round picks. Uh, I mean, there's different things in there that are are certainly made to try and make up for some of those gives, uh, which were, you know, we've discussed. So. I, I think uh, I think depending what player you talk to, they feel yes, it was, um, and that's why they voted yes. And some they voted no. Again, it's a really close vote, um, and it really depends on each player's situation. Sounds good. Uh, I'll get you out did of here. I sit on the fence too much there, Mike. No, oh, no, no, that you did. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the classic agent answer. Is what that is. That's exactly what I was expecting from you. Oh man. Uh, sorry. Let's end on this. No, it's okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I probably answered right. <laughs> Friendly banter. I won't get yelled at by anyone. <laughs> uh, let's end on this. And, and I, I know you, you don't dabble too much into the contract, uh, you know, negotiations of the, of the bigger contracts that have lots of uh, bells and whistles attached to them. But you, you, you've done your fair share of that. I, I gotta be, I gotta be honest, Shane. I, uh, I'm just not seeing enough flexibility in these free agent contracts that account for two things. Number one, 17 games next year. And number two, uh, what could be a thirty-five to forty million dollar increase in sell and league cap over the next two, you know, two to three seasons? Uh, I'm worried for players that are signing four-year contracts right now. First of all, because I think they're going to get screwed. Because I don't think they're going to get the restructures and renegotiations that they think they're going to get. And I hope their agents are ready for a fight on it. And number two, I'm seeing all these per-game active roster bonuses out there, and they either equal this year or they're slightly more next year and they don't even account for 17 games. The, the, the mathematics is still going to run through, you know, divided by 17 versus divided by 16 this year. To me, you needed a significant increase in those bonuses next year to even come close to accounting for what's going to happen. Uh, I just, I'm worried that enough, not enough agents slash players are accounting for what's going to be a significant change. You, I, I understand it's just one game, but it's money, right? It's money. Yeah, you know, I, I do think, I do think the market for some players was a little bit uh, d- 
depressed or deflated this year for a variety of reasons. I mean, that we could probably spend days talking about between the CBA economics, some of the uncertainties you just talked about, the, obviously the whole pandemic thing. Uh, I do expect next free agency, my gosh, hopefully everything yes. is more sorted out. And then we can really kind of digest, all right, well, what's a smart way to handle some of this? You know, do we, if there is more of a, a team reliance on per game active roster bonuses, how do we kind of use that to our advantage? Um, some teams really like them. Obviously, some teams don't use them much at all. And more importantly, hopefully, again, there's a little bit better of a sense of, all right, you know, new TV deals are negotiated. What's, what's the cap going to look like mm-hmm. in future years? I just think there were so many factors this year that really helped to, um, again, I don't want to say, you know, deflate the market, but really just make it more uncertain, which I think kind of leads to maybe some teams and players, you know, doing deals, maybe not as, not as flexible as they could have otherwise been. Again, there's just so much, I mean, a lot of, I mean, this happened, you know, the, the, the CBA vote happened and then free agency happened, what, a couple of days later. So, I mean, that's, yeah, so just a time to really right. you know, digest things. So. And to put a bow on it, Shane, uh-huh. and, and to, to add on to your point, the CBA vote happened the weekend prior to. Then that's Sunday or Monday, the league decided to drop the the, the league cap number of 198.2, right. which was less right. than the projected by almost $2 million. So that, that right there is team leverage to be able to go back to those players and say, hey, if we had you at 16, it's got to be 15 and a half now. Um and then number two, that, that league cap number generally comes out early February. So we're talking three weeks later right. that the teams were notified of what their actual cap situation was going to be. Um, yeah, everything was, was back against the wall, and the players definitely suffered because of that. There's no question about that. Um, and, and I think that, that that led to some miscalculations. I really do. I mean, you, you saw workout bonuses that are that are the same throughout the, the four three four years of the contract to me those have to be you know exponentially increasing because of what's going to come I, I just think 2020 is a is a dummy year for a lot of finances I think what's about to come in 20 and this could change obviously with the situation we're, we're in and, and you know the lack of revenue that might come but it sure sounds like the next couple of years and, and the CBA is written accordingly are, are going to be pretty fruitful for the NFL uh, and I just hope the players benefit from it I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to look back in, in another year or two and kind of see what, you know, the difference between contract this year and years in the future. I mean, you know, speaking from the agent side, I thought there were a really good, some really good deals out there. I think there were some deals that maybe were structured in the way they were with just everything in mind and, and a lot of uncertainty. And, and sometimes players maybe went to the market and didn't quite find the, you know, the values that they had hoped. Um, so I think there's a combination of explanations, but Hopefully some, hopefully the, the world, you know, returns to a sense of normalcy and some, you know, the TV deals that are being negotiated are fruitful. And hopefully this is uh, a win-win for everybody, you know, heading into future years. I mean, for me personally, I, I'm extremely hopeful for that because that means that things have kind of returned to, to normal or at least uh, whatever the new sense of normal is. And, you know, things just go from there. So. Let's let's see what the future holds, I guess, and and hope that that everything here, everything was just an anomaly. Totally agree, and it, 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 yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Shane. And if I had to put a one sentence uh, review on this free agency, it was just 
fine. It was just a good, just average. None of the none of the contracts blew me away. Uh, I didn't think anybody got crushed or or un, or, or severely underpaid. It's just the, yeah, the, 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 the sure. yeah, the signings we've seen have just been about fair market value, and that's in the situation yeah. we're in. Uh, and and everything we just noted about how the CBA and the and the league sort of all put, rushed this thing together at the last minute, um, I, I think that's exactly what you should expect, right? I, I think so too. I think I think all the factors considered, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think there was a, a really you know th- there wasn't a plethora of you know market resetting deals, but how much was that really to be expected anyway? you know, with, with all things considered. And, and, you know, likewise, I don't think there was a lot of bad deals either. Um, all things considered, I don't think there was many at all. I think, I think everybody was, you know, trying to do the best they can, uh, with all the circumstances. And again, it's just such a unique year. I mean, can you imagine the books and the documentaries that are going to come out in, you know, the, the following years, not just about the NFL, but everything being canceled and the economics of the game and sports being on hi- hiatus and, we have no idea how long it's going to continue to be. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of factors. It's a lot, it's a lot to digest and I'm glad we were able to have this conversation because it's, it's definitely brought out a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting points. Jane, thanks so much. Hope you're staying safe and healthy over there. Uh, same goes with your clients and your staff and all that. And, uh, always appreciate your time in the show. So- yeah. Thank you so much. My thanks to Shane Costa. Good friend of the show. Always great insight on just so much. I mean, <laughs> there's, this was a, a different, a crazy, this would have been crazy without COVID-19, right? Just the way that the CBA vote and the, the, the league year and all that came together at one. Like I said, it had to be really, really tough for GMs and front offices to get their gear in order in the quick couple of days turnaround. Certainly they had players identified, you know, months and weeks down the road, but the finances and the structure and that league cap that dropped a couple of million dollars, that all goes into the planning process and the budgeting process. So it had to be difficult. It was really cool to get Shane's uh, perspective for a lot of this, especially with what's going to happen coming forward. I know he's a, he had some contentious things to say about the UDFA process and how we could probably stand to wait a little bit on that, especially because there's, there's just not a likelihood that there's going to be mini camps and even maybe training camps at this point. Um, Lots of unknowns, but we can certainly probably stand to wait a couple of weeks between the seven-round draft, and then the undrafted process, just to give some of our front offices more time to react remotely and, and scout those two things separately. Uh, you know, as it stands right now, anybody who keeps up with this stuff, the second the last pick is made in round seven, about a minute and a half later, you're hearing about 150 undrafted players that are already agreeing to player, to team contracts. So that's the process as it's always been. It seems like that's how it's going to stay, but uh, Shane and a lot of other people I've talked to basically say, why don't we just split these two things up and uh, give ourselves a chance this year? Okay. My thanks to Shane. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off. And thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. 